Hello, welcome to episode, lucky number 13, episodes, subspace transmissions, a podcast, a sub-podcast of We Were Gamers. Hello. That's JJ. I'm Andy. We talk about Star Trek on Fridays. JJ, what's the Zahian? I don't know that I know. <laughs> Honestly. I don't think I learned. <laughs> We uh, finished season one of Discovery. That was about five episodes of the show, I think, of us discovering Discovery and whether or not we liked it or not, based on the, I would say, mixed reviews of that first season. Yeah. I think I ended up liking it, but I definitely agree that the first maybe half or so is takes some getting used to. I think that I like... Most of the characters they've created, I'm a little iffy on how well we're going to fit into the previous universe of Star Trek, including definitely that, including what we're going to talk about today, where they just throw the book out the window. Yeah, I got some questions. (laughs) (laughs) They did this special thing for CBS uh, called Short Treks, which is a good idea, I think, in using resources, right? Like. Mm-hmm. create content without much cost with things you already have. So they made these 15 to 20 minute episodes of Star Trek Discovery that fit outside the main story's timeline. Right. And they are, like in some cases, they're like backstory. Some cases, they're like side story. Some cases, they're like, just here's a fun character and we wanted to do a thing with them. And then in some cases, I don't understand where or how or what it's intended to be. (laughs) Yep. So we're here to talk about the first four, a.k.a. the ones from season one, not the newer ones. They they came out shortly before the start of season two on CBS All Access. They were like a, yeah, like a lead up. And now they're doing the season two ones as kind of a buffer between Discovery and Picard. Right. And I believe... Uh, Discovery is slated to come back sometime next year for season three. I oh, imagine okay. post Picard because Picard is January. Okay, so. I believe season two was January this past year. So my so. my estimation is that going forward, CBS will have at all times Star Trek running. That seems like something they're going to try and do, right? As as a weekly release, much like Disney is trying to do. They're trying to keep you subscribed for your six or ten dollars a month, and so they'll they'll drop an episode of Star Trek every. I, I assume they know the metrics say that everyone that is subscribed is watching Star Trek. Maybe that's certainly the only reason you or I are subscribed. So yep, yep. Uh, all right. So do right. we want yeah, to yeah, do yeah, these yeah. in chronological order, or yeah, let's just interest, or because they don't really have any like connection to each other. Or let's anything. just go start to finish, and then we'll talk about them as a whole at the end, I guess. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, the first one is an episode about Sylvia Tilly. She is degraded by her mother, which we got a hint of in the uh, show. titled "Run" titled "Runaway." Oh, run, "Runaway." Correct. If you wrote down the titles, shout them out because I did not. I got. I did. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, "Runaway" because there's a separate character in here, but um, well, something they seem to do in these was limit the character scope, except for one of them. Um, Tilly doesn't get along with her mom. Her mom basically puts her down and says she shouldn't do the command thing, which we got in the show, main right. show. We knew that that was true. Um, so she goes and drinks a quadruple espresso. Yep. Which the computer tells her is not a wise choice. And the computer's like, this is an unsafe level of caffeine. (laughs) She's like, shut up, computer! (laughs) I appreciated that. That was a good idea. It was pretty good. Um, and then she meets the runaway, who is an invisible alien bleeding all over the ship. Because she cut herself on a box in the cargo bay. Yeah, she had stone away on cargo or something. Correct, yeah, it seems like. And uh, you would think that the Discovery would have scanned boxes for stowaways after their run-in with the stowaway tardigrade. But maybe it was a shielded box. Fair, just to be fair. Uh, 
they have a scuffle. She likes ice cream. The universal translator kicks in, and the hissing becomes uh, she's actually some sort of genius. I, the, the the Zahian princess. The note that I took is Tilly does some first contact stuff. Yeah, her name uh, is Poe, right? I did not get her name. Okay, her name. The, the Zahian's name is Poe. Okay, got it. Right. Uh, and then Tilly agrees for whatever reason to hide the kid in her room. Yep. Not report her like she should. <laughs> don't understand. Uh, and then they have like, you know, some interesting discussions and they the both hate their mothers or something. Right. Yeah. They're having a bad, a bad life. The girl doesn't want to become a princess, I guess. She is a princess. Uh, we find out at the very end of this episode that she's actually not a princess anymore. That, uh, her brother has died and she technically has run away because she doesn't want to be the queen. Right. Yeah. That's the, I don't know, twist or whatever at the end. Okay. <laughs> There's no stake in this, right? Because she's not a no. character that was on the show. Yeah. You know, Tilly's not going to get in trouble for anything. So it's like, eh, okay. It. Uh, my notes are, I have basically two notes. One about the first contact stuff, one about the kid. And it's like the end. And it's like, yes. Oh, so you, basically, you don't have a big, like, big, big note about the one thing in here that I know that you and I are going to be like, wait, what? What is a dilithium incubator, JJ? <laughs> uh, I don't know, Andrew. I, I don't I, know that they know. I would sure love to know, given the second episode of this where, oh, no, thank you, Windows. Don't, don't do that. Why? 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 If you saw my tweet and Instagram before we started this, you'll understand. <sighs> Man, I gotta turn that stuff off. Anyway, uh, where was I? No, I oh, no, dilithium I incubators. You posted because I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, well, we, we Windows was doing updates before we started, and now it's telling me about all the updates with loud noises while we record. Thank you. Uh, if you have the power to remove dilithium mining from being a thing, how have we not heard about this? It's much like the spore drive, right? Yeah, wait, hold on. I thought she said that they mine dilithium. They do mine dilithium. Planet. She created, okay. and why she ran away was that she created something called a dilithium incubator. Oh, right. Okay, that was the the technology she invented or whatever. Right, so that no one would have to mine dilithium anymore because it was hurting her sister, which is the planet. Right. Okay, I forgot that her sister was the planet part. So she could, like, re-energize broken dilithium yeah. crystals or whatever. Uh, here is why uh, we never heard about this. She went back to her planet and then was immediately assassinated. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> big and big coal got her. The you know, look, dilithium uh interests are strong in the Federation. Uh-huh. Uh and they have a vested interest in uh keeping those mines running. Yep. Cap capitalism uh wins again. I, even though I have, kept, theory, I have questions about capitalism after we get to the Harry Mud episode. <laughs> even though in theory capitalism isn't a thing and money isn't a thing in the uh, Federation, which is not is apparently that, true. Is that not apparent? That's not true anymore. They've rewritten that one. That's one of those. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. All right. Yeah. I, I think this was cute, but at the yeah. end of it, okay. It, felt it was like, this is a fun, uh, fun short, but ultimately, like you say, like kind of actually like all of these, to be honest, ultimately immaterial i think the saru one is something we're gonna talk about for a while okay but we'll get there well when we get there yeah, yeah. the next one was titled calypso ah that makes a lot of sense uh calypso jj you remember your greek is the goddess that traps odysseus i believe um wants to have a baby with them then zeus tells hermes to tell Calypso that he's she's got to let Odysseus go because his fate is not to die on the island with her. And she says, okay. Is that... Is it the same one that's turning people into pigs? I don't know if Calypso turns people into pigs. Like, she turns all his crew into animals or something? Oh, maybe. Is I just the remember same the same one, or is this a different one? 
He goes on several adventures with weird gods and goddesses that have powers. Are you so. thinking maybe Cersei's the one? Oh, maybe I'm thinking that of turns Cersei. people into stuff. Yeah, I you think might be right. Calypso's the one where he gets shipwrecked, not not by the ones that make him go on the rocks or whatever the sirens. But anyway, right? That's a different thing. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, Calypso. Uh, Calypso. So the discovery. Is by the way, they did some beautiful CG on these for yeah. fifteen minute episodes. This one was very pretty. Yeah, a lot of like really great space shots in this one in particular. Yeah, um, a, a crashed survival pod of some kind, broken with Betty Boop playing in it over and over and over again. Yeah, I wrote like, why are there weird old cartoons going across this weird pod? Yeah, there's this one has some like weird world building going on that we clashes with some other stuff from the future. But uh, that's a spoiler. It's the future. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a thousand years. So uh, past yeah, something, right? A thousand years. We we don't know when or where this is. Also. Uh, we still we don't know, and we don't learn where the crew is. Yes, the ship is empty. The discovery, uh, but everything seems to be working, kind of mostly. The discovery is in a a hold position on a hold position order. That was the last order the ship was right. given. And, and there's a and there's like a weird computer AI now on the ship, which I didn't. I think the implication is that the either they installed it or the ship became sentient. Oh, I was going to say the ship becoming sentient is the implication, but I don't remember that voice or any of that existing before. I No, not in what we've seen so far. Okay. Just making sure I'm not, like, forgetting something. My question is roughly whether, like, this is a predecessor to the later computer which answers people, you know, like in TNG and stuff. Oh, sure, yeah. And then because it sat there for a thousand years, it became sentient. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's a that's a reading. I like that better than the like they installed this system and then left. <laughs> uh I want to say that at the start of this, like for the first little while, I thought like, "Oh, this is interesting. They're doing like different genres almost." The first one was like, "Oh, this like kind of little, you know, meet cute kind of fun story about bond you know bonding about parents and destiny and stuff mm-hmm. and this one is like a horror kind of like thriller type thing that it turns out not to be that nope <laughs> but I, I i was like very excited like oh cool they're doing like different genres but star trek because like at the beginning it starts pretty scary and like i was like oh okay like yeah, you're trying the, to do like a horror thing this is very cool and yeah computer yeah. that he like, doesn't you don't realize that the computer you think it's some person right. It's like, where are you leading me? You know, all that yeah. stuff. And then it's like, oh, no, just kidding. Actually, it's like... The ship is just empty. They're going to... Yeah, there's no... There's no other... There's no There's no second twist, right? Yeah. Uh, and the computer is obsessed with old movies? <laughs> I think the computer implies she has the whole library and has at some point watched... She's been there a thousand years and has, you know, fallen for one movie. Uh, I didn't get the name of this movie. Is this a real movie? Yes. Uh, gosh, I didn't write it down, of course. Because it's, um, what's his name? The, uh, the famous old singing and dancing guy. (laughs) Oh my God, my brain. Uh, Are you going to get it? No. Bob Hope? No. no. Come on, man. It's Fre- it's Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the musical is called Funny Face. Funny uh, Face, yes. Uh, be- I was trying to remember the nickname because she nicknames him the movie, which is Funny Face. Um, but it's Fred Astaire and Audrey Hepburn. Yes. It, they were... I, I immediately knew him and then I was like... She is someone famous in old movies also. And then it was like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. <sighs> the computer's name is Zora. I forgot that. Yes, Zora. And his name is Kraft. Yes. Or that's what she names him. Uh, He says his name is like, I don't know, it's like danger or something. I don't remember. It was something silly. He, does, 
he doesn't give her his name, right? She Well, that's that's kind of part of the story too, right? Like she he says people call him this and then she says, "Well, what's your name?" He said, "Well, my friends call me Craft." And she calls him Crafty for a while. Right, yeah. Uh and then you find that in the future here they do some pretty interesting world building. Humanity seems to be maybe at war with itself or the what used to be the Federation has broken apart and is fighting or that like these Wherever this guy is from, his planet is at war with other human planets or something? Yeah, something weird happened in the future, which, based on TNG th- and Enterprise... A thousand and- years... Yeah, I mean, a thousand years from the time of Discovery, wouldn't that be in around the TNG-ish time frame? No, 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 no. Is that... No? Too no. far? Way, 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 way further. How far before TNG is Discovery? Like, a hundred years? I have my bookmark timeline. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was farther than that. TMG? TNG is maybe 100 years from now. 100 years from Discovery. Or the season one timeline. So, of Discovery. A, a Discovery is 2255, which we've discussed before. Yes. Next Gen is 100 years later, 2364. Okay. So, 1,000 is quite a bit past all of Yeah. 1,000 is like Enterprise um, Y or whatever that we see. The big Enterprise that's the size of like a planet. Which I think you see in, and I can't remember which show you see it in, but uh, there's no implication in the future stuff from Enterprise that, you know, the guy that comes back in time and, and does that whole show mm-hmm. timeline with the time war and all that. Isn't that, oh, he's, that's Voyager. No, 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 the time war is from Enterprise. Oh, oh, Enterprise. Sorry. Yes, Enterprise. Okay. Yeah, but the, he's from way, way in the future, and there's no implication of, of the Federation having broken up or anything. So this is... They chose a number, a large number, to give themselves yeah. a lot of room. And, yeah. I mean... And, I mean, you know, Empire's who knows what part, of, what part of space it is, also, you know, what's right. going on out there. She here. identifies yeah. him based on his tattoo. This is an interesting one. I, there's a lot of world building in this one for but something they, so it, flippant at the end of the, it. The computers just have, like, omnipotent databases of all knowledge somehow, always. So, like, it, it doesn't surprise me that the computer knows where this dude is from, even though it's been a thousand years, right? Yeah. It's just an interesting side note, I think, for the whole episode is, like, wow, there's some weird, like, future world building here. Maybe that they're thinking about doing a show that far in the future or something. Yeah. Um. He's lost his family. He's from his family. They eventually uh, become friends. Then he realizes he can't stay there. The computer okay. lets him go. Yes? I was like, he... he. Hold on, bro. You didn't talk about him doing the creepy dance with the, the computer. Co- I didn't want to talk about it. Come on, man. That's the, th- that's the thing. Okay. You talk about it. I didn't want to talk about it. It's weird. He, it is weird. It, like, he... So, I... Because the computer has been nice to him, I guess, he decides to do something nice for the computer because no one had ever done anything nice for the computer somehow. Mm-hmm. Well, she's uh, been alone and, for a long time, I guess. Yeah. It's a, also still a computer. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, And so then he dresses up as Fred Astaire right. from the movie and right. learns the dance that he does. And then the computer, like, decides to project herself into the scene with him so that they can do a creepy dance. Yeah, it was and touching when he tells her to hold, and then the she follows the order, but the projection right. cries or something? Yes, yeah. Um, uh, okay. And then, uh, and then, you know, she lets him go. Janeway fell in love with a holodeck program, so. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's definitely some of that going on here uh, at the end, for sure. I don't know. It, uh, the The world building and the, like, really beautiful CGI and stuff was the most interesting part of this one. Absolutely. Although, also, the the, uh, the hologram effects of projecting Very the movie good. out into that 3D area was really cool. Very and I good. think, actually, like, I want a movie. <laughs> I want movies to be like that. Right? Right? They're, like, taking... You could... That was a very cool effect. I think that this one wins on CG alone as one of my favorite ones, maybe. Maybe my favorite one, because that effect of saying, okay, look, she she doesn't make it, like, fully 3D. 
but she it's almost like she transforms it from a flat movie to like a stage play it reminded me of a pop-up book yeah kind of yeah yeah because the projector kind of follows the floor into the wall right so the grass mm-hmm. and the wall kind of like are the projector screen and then the characters are sort of like popped up yeah it was cool it was a cool yeah, effect like- it made it, you know, it made like the ground and the back wall into like the stage, yeah. and then the actors kind of pop out of the screen onto the. Yeah, it's very cool. I wish movies were like this now. It's <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, she pops him into the thousand-year-old shuttle, which she thinks will work, and paints it with the name Funny Face, uh, which yeah. you find out he doesn't have a name, or he can't tell her his name because in his culture, you're only named by the person. That right uh, is it loves you or something. I don't. Yeah, the person that you're in love with gives you your name, your true okay. name or something. And but he has a wife and kids, so I don't understand how he doesn't have a true name. But whatever. Okay, moving on. <laughs> the next episode Call uh, is called "The Brightest Star." Here we go, buddy. And then I wrote, "Oh boy, Saru episode." <laughs> I tried to keep an open mind the whole time. Uh-huh. And, and I did. How long did that last? <laughs> Until Saru built a transponder out of parts of a ship that fell off that... How did he get a screen? And he drew up plans. Does he know how to read? I'd, I Read? I guess, he guess he can read. And built a universal translator into the transponder at the same time. <sighs> Hold on. We got it back. We up. got it back. I, you asked me when I lost my open mind, but here we okay. go. Let's start over. So, Saru's family? Yes, it's his father and sister. Okay. Uh, are part of... I couldn't tell if it was some kind of weird cult or no. this is how all of the people of their planet are raised. It seems like his father is a religious leader in the yes. Kelpian society. I don't it didn't seem like it was a cult. Okay. And the way it seems to work on this planet is everyone is, you know, like a agrarian level of civilization, right? Every they, one they, of the Kelpians on this planet is agrarian, yes. Yes. Uh not clear to me if there are other civilizations on the planet or oh. if those other oh, yeah. civilizations live off planet. No, no, no. The, the Ba'ul are on their planet. They share their he, – he has talked about this in the main show. They share their planet with the Ba'ul. They're the only two species on the planet. Got it. Okay. The Kelpians eat the seaweed. The Ba'ul eat the Kelpians. Right. And so you see a uh, – basically the, the Kelpians like, you know – uh, live this kind of like agrarian existence until the summoning or whatever they called it's, it. It's called harvest. Yes, and, and they basically all go stand around a pillar and pray, and then a bunch of them disappear. It seems like they reach a point in their lives. I think Saru called it the Kahari, and then they have to turn themselves over. It sounded like, though, the way the father, the religious figure, talked about it is that, like, eventually, not everyone would always be taken, but at some point, everyone would be taken, right? Like, it's it's not the same time for everyone. Right. It's just at some point, you will be taken, whether that's when you're 99, like the father who seemed to be very old, or some of the other people who seemed very young. Yeah. Or, you know, middle-aged, I guess. Whatever this Kahari thing is, I don't know, but that's what he was saying. If I reach Kahari by the next uh, harvest, what would happen? And I think he was testing. seemed like he was testing his father to see, like, if the father was like, well, you're my son, so no, don't worry about it. Or like, well, like he says, well, then you got to go in the thing. I distinctly got the impression that despite what the father's answer to that question was, that he would not have been chosen. Interesting. Okay. I, it just seemed it's the way those kinds of like religious figures working with like you know i don't know his father was very upset about this great balance thing 
Of course, right? Because he, the great balance thing is the thing that gives the father his power as a religious figure. So okay. it's important that he maintain the the system and it work as, you know. Got anyway, I, I got a lot of like, um, almost kind of like Schindler's Listian vibes here. Very and much, not, very much things are faded on this yes. planet. And this drives Saru to not accept how he lives, right? Right. He said he and got his answer, and the answer was, don't ask questions. How how can no one want to ask questions? Why can't right. we live like the Ba'ul? Right. And uh, apparently, uh, pieces of these Ba'ul ships fall down sometimes, uh, and his father tells him to go dispose of it in the... I forget where he told him to take it. I think but he just Saru- said dispose of it. Yeah. And Saru's like, yeah, sure, Dad tucks it away <laughs> definitely does not dispose of it then somehow uh, takes it apart then, one time and saru then uh somehow has uses whatever this thing is and builds a communication beacon out of it okay i, I get based on the end of this episode <laughs> i get it but i also am like could we have done could we have done something other than him creating a, like a computer and universal translator and be and, like, could he have well, just he didn't created, create the translator though, right? Well, it just says hello, right? And he understands when it says today what it means. So he somehow. Yeah, but I interpreted that as it displaying it in Kelpian. Oh, okay. I get you. And so he was able to read okay, it because okay. it was in his That language. would make some sense, right? He transmitted in Kelpian and start and he, I didn't think because about he, that. That because he speaks into the thing and says like Right, right. Okay. Okay. I I'm willing to let that part slide. That makes he a lot of sense. He definitely doesn't in, invent a translator because later when George O comes, which spoiler, spoiler alert, George O shows yeah. up, uh she's holding out the I love that part of this the show. communicator. I love that as, part of discovery as the translator. So good. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, I so just anyways, would maybe have been happier if it was just like a pulsing beacon or something. You know, like something. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I wish uh, that they had taken a little time here to show that, like, oh, it wasn't just this one thing that he disassembled and reassembled into a thing. It took months he, like, of him took building. years of him like scurrying pieces away to like build a thing or whatever. Okay. That would have made me feel a little better about. Let's it. rewrite but it. I, That's what happened. I, I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly okay uh, uh and he, so then he, he like wanders out from the village he te- i think he was testing his sister to see if she would go with him right yeah she would not clearly and she was not not willing to take the journey mm-hmm. uh and so you know so saru is like a runaway kind of yeah so we hear Giorgio lands uh with a shinjo shuttle it's lieutenant Giorgio, by the way right so this is clearly a decent distance in the past because when you know, by the time we meet her in Discovery, she's been captain for what yeah. seems like a while. And we find out that Saru is the only, and probably forever-ish, the only Kelpian in Starfleet. And you get the little... So the thing that I had been waiting for, right? She's like, yeah, it's not very often we get signals from pre-warp races, right? Right. So, like, implying that... May- Do the Ba'ul have warp? Maybe I think not. so, Yeah. I don't know, because then otherwise, right, like, why wouldn't they have contact with the Ba'ul's planet? She knows everything about the Ba'ul and and the Kelpians. Uh, okay, and then the Ba'ul have just been keeping the Kelpians, like, in a... You know, possibly the Ba'ul don't have warp. I don't, it, that maybe is not addressed, but she definitely yeah. knows the, like... She knew the situation. She knew right? the situation like, of the Kelpians and the Ba'ul, right? And then... So, uh, so then I'm like, well, uh, it, where is all of like Starfleet's like first contact stuff and the like prime directive and all these things? And she's like, I had to convince them to ignore all that stuff so that we can take just you because you're some exceptional genius. Which I mean, based on his ability to build the thing out of that thing, probably is true, right? But also like. I don't think Starfleet makes exceptions to those rules, or they shouldn't have shouldn't be. Yeah, I, odd, right? Odd explanation for saying like, yeah, Saru's the only Kelpian, right? And, and so, like, I took this whole at the end of this, right? It's like, oh, you know, it's 
it's tragic he has to leave his family and his way of life behind and he can never come back right she says that yeah interesting right and so like this is this whole thing is their explanation for why you've never seen saru or his species before i think and it's like given what happens to the kelpians one could see somebody making the argument saying okay well normally the prime directive would say we would leave this person alone to help develop his society but in the next year or so he's going to be culled or harvested and it's not going to affect his society mm. so would starfleet okay. stand to benefit from integrating a kelpian into their culture instead of wasting him if he has this ability to understand stuff way beyond himself i don't know yeah okay that, i, I hadn't writing. thought about it that way we're, and you're you're right that's like a pretty decent argument it's an argument i don't know that at it's least a decent it, you argument. know well it's, it's an it's argument in, akin it's to, in the scope of this yeah it's an argument akin to what they would make maybe in tng this is a argument that they could make in a thing that took about 15 yep we've talked about it about as long as the show went on so exactly so yeah. i think this was the most needed of the three of the four uh, of the four i agree with you i think that here that this one is the one that you know, saru as a character y- you get little hints and bits of his culture or whatever but you definitely needed a little more characterization of him it, like it changes him from being an annoying coward right. into okay of all the people in his society, right? Like he said, I felt fear and hope and I walked towards hope. Right. And it, gives so, him, it, it makes the, the entire adventure for him seem like a brave step rather than being an know, abject you, coward all the time, which is how you encounter him. Right. right. So yeah. Needed for developing Good. his character for season two, I think. Yeah. And, and uh, pretty fun to watch. Harry Mudd. The escape artist. The best opening of these four episodes. (laughs) Absolutely. We didn't didn't talk about it, but they created a short version of the Discovery opening, which they then tacked on some extra music and uh, funk to for Harry Mudd's episode here. Mm -hmm. This this entire episode is completely ephemeral, but very fun. Yes, and changed my opinion of Harry Mudd to... From before he was a he was lip service to the original Star Trek, right? Yeah, sure. Definitely. We have to have this character to tie this into the timeline, and this character was kind of ephemeral before, so let's use him now. Now he's kind of like okay, he's probably back for season two if he's in this, and they're starting to like remind you that he's a character. Like I not a not a character, that. but a character. You know what I mean? I don't I don't know that he's gonna pop up again in season two, but I definitely think that this was like, hey, we're already paying Rain. Rain Wilson is that the guy's name? Yes, Rain Wilson. Yeah, he directed uh, this too. We are already paying him to be a part of this show. What if we just like give him a thing and just let him go have fun? Yep. <laughs> and, and he's like, all right, I'm going to be 15 parts in this same episode, and I'm going to direct. And they're like, yeah, all right, whatever, sure, go for it. I guess. <laughs> I cannot believe that they didn't at least rein in one one idea here his I, what are we here to murder accuracy andrew okay all right <laughs> yes we are it's so good uh i laughed many times during this one I, yeah as a person who a noted hater of this character in season one uh the discussions go back and listen to him i i was not super interested in harry mudd's character this was very fun. I told you like this him. was the fun one. I, I There was a little preview of this on our main pod two days ago, and I said, you may not like him by the end of this, but I certainly do. <laughs> I still don't know that I like his character, but I, I, I very much yeah. enjoyed watching this. I did not think you would change your mind much, but I knew you would enjoy this, at least. I, I really enjoyed watching Rain Wilson chew the scenery with himself. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very good. Yeah. Uh and so I mean the, the quick story, you know, this guy uh uh I, I don't remember his race, but he's got don't tusks. Don't remember his race. Yeah, he's got tusks. Uh and he, he has captured Harry Mud and he's he paid, gonna, No, 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 no. He paid a bounty hunter for Harry Mud. Ta- right. And is going to now go turn Harry Mud into the Federation for the reward. 
Uh, and in revenge for what he mud did to his sister and an item he stole from him. Yes. Uh, and so most of the episode is mud trying to sweet talk his way (laughs) into this guy's good graces, uh, with a bunch of weird anecdotes and flashback scenes to other times mud tried to charm other people when it generally didn't work. So good. That part is so good, good where he's like, with the guy keeps telling him like this line can't possibly have worked on anyone, and then it keeps flashing back to a time it fails epically. Yeah, and it's like he's it, like, "There's no way anyone would would this would work, right?" And he's like, "He's he's being led on a chain by a Klingon bounty hunter, and who he's like, well, maybe if you were a little taller, you'd be able to find your ship." She's like, "I'm not lost." <laughs> Definitely was lost. Uh, yeah. It was good uh, and very silly. Uh, and then the piece, de resistance at the end. The the bounty hunter get, finally makes it to... And Mud, meanwhile, is like, please, no, like, yeah. don't, don't turn me in or whatever. Makes I'll it to do a federation ship. And the, the guy's like, oh, good. You have Harry Mud. Great. We'll, uh, <laughs> come on in. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll take him from you. And uh, then he comes in and he's like, yeah, get, where's my bounty? How do I get this money, you know? And the guy's like, yeah, no, this is an android. And uh, sorry, you got swindled by this other. Let me guess, you bought this from a woman. Yeah, uh, and he's like, "No, that can't be true." Watch, and he like yanks his arm off, and yeah, he's totally an android. What was the line? I'd be sitting on a beach sipping a uh, sipping kippers or kip- something like uh, that. Yeah, sipping kippers or something. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then you know, the, he says the line, and then all the androids, all the robots, yep, <laughs> go into like this feedback loop of saying, and, you know. And, and uh, so, like, the Starfleet guy leads him to this area, the door opens, and there's, like, ten other mud androids in here all <laughs> talking to each other and all trying to, like, tell stories and, like, just be, like, They're ridiculous. all Harry mudding each other, right? Like, yes, they're yeah. trying to out Harry mud themselves because they don't, they're, they're androids, maybe, but I would call them more, like, facsimiles, right? They're not, right. they're not, the, the they're guy- not data. Androids. Right, the guy. The guy says that they have like a small layer of human skin on the outside to like show up as real, but they're just robots yeah. built to distract you. Yeah, uh, and so all the robots are all dressed differently. One's in like a pirate uniform, and one's wearing a, a captain's hat, and all this other stuff. And then you know they're all just like talking to each other and telling stories. And then the guy yeah. says the line about be on the beach drinking kippers, and then they're all they all start <laughs> the saying feedback it. Loops. So good, <laughs> it's very very funny. Uh, and then the end scene smash cut to a ship full of Harry Mud androids and the woman bounty hunter, who uh, is Harry Mud, <laughs> takes her mask off to reveal that she is Harry Mud, and he then sits back in his captain's chair and drinks a kipper, <laughs> which is yeah. some kind of weird space drink. I know we don't like to dest- There's no point in destroying accuracy here. Because, you know, data, androids, people... Oh, are, no, that that was know. a line from earlier, right? Yeah, but 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 when we talk about it, right, like, you could be like, wait, but everyone's fascinated by data because he's an android, but... Yeah, but it, obviously these were like, you these know... These were not quite androids. And all. But one thing I did want to discuss outside of this that we've seen in Discovery and we see in this that is in direct contradiction with one of the maybe most memorable scenes of first contact um when picard is talking to what's her name the woman in first contact that he takes through the ship with him i know Um, who you're talking about i don't remember her name yeah about society in the future and how they have no money anymore because everyone to work for the benefit of each other right Uh, which if you think about it is not like even that's not even socialism right because uh, it's utopian. It's u- it's utopian society because in even in socialism you need some sort of currency in order to exchange for non-essential goods, right? Like you would need a way to buy art and music and uh, that you don't need to buy anything. It's socialism. I don't know. There's a whole lot of like it depends what you mean by socialism right. versus communism versus but yeah, all communism. In theory, the death of of art and stuff like that could happen. But so let's let's back up and say it's utopian, right? Because you have artists and all these sorts of things. What he describes in First Contact. 
in Discovery and Harry Mudd here, they describe the Federation as having money. And, you know, it is... It's clear that money still exists and people have it somehow because also in DS9, there is money. Yeah. On the station. And like, so they just quietly Starfleet guys in that bar paying money to Quark for those drinks. So so have they just quietly abandoned this idea of no money utopia or I don't understand. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe they, they have, and it's just like, Oh, well, like people in the Federation help each other for free, but the to deal with outside races, you have to have money or something. I don't know. The Federation trades for money and then captains can meet it out when people need it. I don't I don't quite get someone needs to explain how we've abandoned this next generation idea that teach me the economy of the future. Okay. yeah, come on. I need I need a I need a class. Yeah. In economics here. I would um, love... I mean, you know, at the, at the... I suspect what's happening here is that they had this idea when they came up with the show, right, in TNG, and they're like, oh, we can make this, you know... Yeah, because they never really talk about money in the uh, the original series that I recall. Though I haven't seen all of it, so I can't say for sure. But it's definitely very, like, they're not talking about money there. TNG, they, like, pretty much explicitly say, we don't have money. Yeah. Absolutely. And then in DS9, they're like, yeah, actually, there is money, though. Uh, and now it's kind of like, yeah, that, remember DS9? There's money. We got that. That's a thing. Yeah, whatever. And it's kind of just like a gentle retcon or a like a way for them to tell stories about things that involve payments and stuff without having to like stretch really hard to figure out how to handle money in a society that doesn't have money. Hmm. Um, I don't know. It, Yeah. I don't want to rip too hard on this uh, episode because this episode was a lot of fun. So yeah, uh, the Enterprise I was thinking of earlier is called the Enterprise J, which is okay. a u- universe class, aka it's a giant moving planet. Um, and you see it in the twenty sixth century, so that's not even close to a thousand years in the future. That's more. That's more. No, that's twenty sixth century would only be four hundred years in the future. Right, because that'd be twenty-seven. Something. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what is uh, Captain okay. by a Dax? By the way, cool. Where? What show was this that this showed up in? Uh, showed up in. I, this is actual research that we're doing. <laughs> I think it's on uh, Enterprise J is. Title yesterday's Enterprise in the sh- blah, 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 I have blah. no recognition of this. I don't remember, but I've se- there's I've seen it. Okay, I, I believe know. you. Yeah, yeah. Enterprise. Okay. Enterprise that episode maybe. Azadi Prime. Got it. Okay, it, it would well, make sense. I don't as part remember. of the temporal I- war, right? Like. Yeah, yeah. Enterprise is the show that I definitely have seen the least times. So yeah. for sure, that's going to be the gap. If there's a gap in my memory, it's definitely going to be there. All right. How do we feel about these four episodes? Oh, it was fun. I had a good time. I had a good uh, time, too. I don't know. that They they definitely used the word earlier that's ephemeral, except for the Saru one, which adds character depth. They are ephemeral. Right. And I think the, the Saru one is... If any of these ever get a reference in the main story, it would only be the Saru one. It has to be, right? Again, we don't think. we don't do spoiler research. We don't look and, stuff up. So And again, like, don't, you know, don't it, tell and, us and if they were wrong. And that's only if, like that maybe they don't and this is just a hey, for your information going on with Saru and then they just, you know. I really feel like it's this should I don't know if saying it should be on the show is fair, but like I did not know he was the only Kelpian in Starfleet for sure until this happened. Totally. And I agree that like that one, the Saru one in particular, I don't know how you could have told it as part of the regular season, but it would have helped the characterization of that character and made me dislike him a lot less. I definitely thought about it and I thought a whole episode of this would have been hard to watch. Too much, right? Yeah. So... It was maybe right to do it as a short thing or find a way to work it into the show as this short of a thing, but definitely yeah. did not need to be longer than this. Right. For sure, it was the, all of these are the correct length. 
I don't think I wanted more of any of them. Um, uh, more of Harry Mud would have just really been <laughs> too much. Yep. There's already quite enough uh, of him. I really want to know uh, how many times did they have to reshoot the same scene with Rain Wilson standing in a different place talking to other versions of himself? How many shots does that take? <laughs> they composite it, right? Is that how that stuff is done? Um, yeah, so each scene like that will have a a marked out stand-in for him, right? Right. So he can act. So he knows where to look and yeah, where to and talk look, to or whatever. Yeah, and, and they might even just be simple things like a pole, not even a person. Yeah. Right, he doesn't need to be a person. You can put a tennis ball there or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then you just reshoot it green screen after you do the, your base plate. So one of the characters does that, and then you re you recreate the distances between the ball, the tennis balls on a green screen and shoot the rest of them. Huh. Interesting. So count, I just, uh, count the amount of muds there are, uh, add two or three takes for each one. Maybe not man. even that many. Cause it's rain Wilson directing himself. Oh yeah, sure. He's probably just like, yeah, I got that one. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, I just, the, the composition stuff there was fun. And that whole scene was very fun. Very good. At, and the scene in the ship as well, also Be- fun. Best use, I think, of this format, maybe. Oh yeah, definitely. It was it was the most fun of these four, uh, and like easily like the most lighthearted and like we said, like you know, didn't mean anything, but was you know like again like a fun glimpse into something else going on in that universe. I like the format. We need they need to be a little more focused on something fun and enjoyable i think because the tilly one in my mind stands out as the like i really just did not need to watch that yeah not that i didn't like the character or the character building but like i got the point about her character being we've already been through that arc with her character right through the course of season one of discovery she went from the the beginning of that (laughs) short trek to the end of that short trek already right i was gonna say the tilly one in terms of the characterization felt a little redundant because like mm-hmm. you said, you, we'd already gotten some of that arc. Yeah. I wonder if perhaps some of these were shot mid-season. I can't imagine that they were. It, they're they're far too disjointed from anything else. Meh. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. I don't that know. Was I, our... I, these were fun. Yeah. I enjoyed watching them. I think it was worth watching them in between the two seasons. I like, I don't think people should skip them. Right. Uh, Especially like if you're like us and big fans of, of Star Trek in general. I think if you watched discovery, you need to watch the Saru one. And if you're going to watch the Saru one, you might as well watch the Harry mud one. The other two have no bearing on the show. Probably. Uh, You know what? At the point that you're going to watch those two, you You might might as well well spend the extra 30 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Because they're only 15 minutes each. Like I literally watched three of these in a day and it, you know, it was like not even, the length of a you know an episode of long TV. I'll tell you a funny story. I was gonna watch them all in one night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I watched the first two. And I was like, all right, those are okay. And assuming that the other two had no bearing on the show, I kind of relaxed too much while watching them. And then we got to Saru, and it starts off as a very slow, methodical Saru kind mm-hmm. of. Everyone's got that soothing tone, and I fell asleep t- twice trying to watch it. <laughs> And then I was like, I can't watch this tonight. I have to actually stay awake and, and like think about it. So I watched it the next night. I was like, oh, I'm really glad that I didn't try to push through that one last night. Yeah, there was a lot going on in that yeah. one for sure. Yeah. All right. Um, Man, next month uh, we'll do another one of these. I'm not quite certain what we're going to do it on. It's going to be a surprise, I guess. Yeah. Because I don't think we're starting season two of Discovery before Picard comes out. Or what do you want to do? Well, we... So that's the thing, right? Like, if Picard starts in January and it is, uh, as of this recording, it is the middle of November. Do, Are we so going to live do Picards? So that's the question, right? Because the Picards are probably going to come out weekly. Yeah. And then are we going to try and keep up weekly with them? I don't. I don't think we can keep up weekly with them. We could do well, like a they, monthly. These come recap. out monthly, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. 
That's what I said. I think the next one's a surprise, and maybe even January is a surprise. <laughs> yeah. So we'll we'll we gotta, figure it out. Trust. There will be episodes will. between now and Picard. Don't worry. We'll we'll yeah. we'll find something to fill the time. Yeah. Definitely. And until then, uh, live long and prosper. Right. Where where would people if you have comments on these short treks? Where should you? Well, uh, you can definitely let us know about these ones. Don't tell us about the other ones that ha- that are coming out or I, have already just come out. We know there's a Tribble one. We don't want right. to ruin the characters that are in those. Because I like these. It'll be based on stuff we've seen. Uh, we haven't seen in season two. So Right. So I'm sure that we know they're still making them. Uh, please don't tell us about them. However, if you want to talk about these four with us... You can send an email to podcast at weweregamers.com and we will absolutely read it and uh, be interested in talking about it if you're interested in saying stuff. Yeah. Thank we you for your also- emails and feedback on uh, start. I, we've gotten some feedback on these episodes and we appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, you can find us on YouTube. Uh, search for We Were Gamers on there and follow the uh, the channel on there and you can get this this very podcast there. Uh, there's even a playlist of the Star Trek ones separate from the regular ones, which if, is helpful. If that's your deal, yeah, that's the way to do it because we mix the feeds. It makes it easier for a lot of people because, you know, in general, I think a lot of gamers like Star Trek and a lot of our audience is, you know, we grew up watching Star Trek, so it's more of a... Like, we obviously like it, right? Yeah, yeah. So, we can mix the feed here, but if you if you really just want the Star Trek stuff, that's an easy way to do it. Yeah, easy to separate it out that way. Uh, and of course, you can subscribe to uh, our podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts and Google Play and all the various are places we on Stitcher? That you can get. I think we are. I think that's true. We are on Stitcher. I know people you still use that, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> We're not on Spotify. I've tried. What happened there? I don't know that we need to talk, talk about it now. There's nothing to tell. Confirmed we're on Stitcher. Yeah. There you go. I was pretty sure we are. So. The, speaking of which, our last episode was called There Are Four Maps. Good, good reference right there. All right. Mwah. <laughs> we'll see you next month for more Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs>